Hi, I'm Jim Raffle. Welcome to this episode of the Dye Subcast, your source for interviews and information related to dye sublimation printing and color technology. I'm here with my co-host, Shelby. Thank you, Jim. My name is Shelby Sapusik, and we thank you for listening today. Before we get to our episode, we want to tell you about our next trade show that we'll be attending. It will be in Nashville for the UV Energize show on September 7th and 8th. We'll be exhibitors at the show, and in our booth, we will have color verification demos of our SpecCheck app with the NYX measurement device. This week, we are going to talk about substrates. Most people understand that we have been dealing with some supply chain issues recently, and as we have been working with clients in their facilities, we've been running into some issues with color management. So, Jim, as I understand it, we've been running into problems because our clients are having to source their substrates from secondary suppliers. And so therefore, they're sometimes working with substrates that are less than ideal, or at least not what they're used to working with. So you've been dealing with this more than me because you've been going on site a little bit more lately, but how is that affecting color management in your experience? Yeah, it's, um, first of all, I want to clarify something. In many cases, we're talking about people going to their, not necessarily third tier, but their third choice of substrate. And it really does break down to the supply chain issues. So if you think about the dye sublimation color management process, you, you know, you always have the printer and the ink and, you know, that's pretty consistent for everyone. And then you have the rip and that's pretty consistent. So I'm just trying to run through some of the variables. Um, and your heat press is typically, you know, while it can have, while it can be a variable, that's pretty consistent. So what are the things that are changing due to supply chain? And I've seen two things and these are related. One is the paper, the transfer paper. So in many cases, uh, clients can't get the right transfer, not, I shouldn't say the right, they can't get their first choice of transfer paper, which they use to build their profiles. And then to compound that problem, they can't get their first or sometimes even second choice of fabric, if in the cases that I'm, I'm thinking of right now, to, um, to transfer to. And so if you combine those two things, either one of those variables by itself, and more importantly, the two combined, you can get some real color variation if you don't have in-house expertise to either relinearize your, your color profiles or build all new color profiles or just in general know how to manage your spot colors if, you're, if your issues are, are brand and spot colors. So it's, it's, a, it's a big problem that people need to be aware of. I guess in my experience, while I haven't been on the road and doing things on site, I have been shipped some materials that I've been working with in my home office. And over the course of time, you know, in a matter of even just a couple months, I've noticed that the white point of the substrate has changed drastically because they've had to change their substrate and it's really affecting what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And that, I know which example you're talking about. In that particular one, the white point was only half the change. The other part of the change was that it was a heavier weave fabric that probably carried more of, you know, it had more polyester. So it had, it had more coating that could receive the dye sublimation ink. So even though we thought we had maximum transfer from the paper in question, because the paper didn't change in this particular case, so the transfer paper did not change, but the substrate we were transferring to did change and it was receiving a great deal more ink. So, you know, greater saturation and with a changed white point, it was causing all kinds of color issues. Um, you know, in, in general, those are good things, 
because it, you could carry more ink, you could have a bigger gamut. But if you didn't build the profile and the linearization around that, then you could be losing shadow detail because you're carrying more ink um, and you could be losing highlight detail as well. So it, it starts to turn out to be what could be a good thing with a brand new profile turns out to be a not so good thing if you just try and run it with your existing profile. Sure, that makes sense. And yeah, you know, I forgot about the saturation issue. That would definitely affect everything. But yeah, then, I mean, do you see anything changing anytime soon with the supply chain? And you know, I mean, and uh, how do you combat it? You know, what are you, what's the best strategy? Honestly, no. Um, I see. Well, yes. I, let me rephrase that. I don't see anything changing necessarily with the supply chain. What I what I've seen happen is that those clients who are in very sound financial positions are witnessing this happen and the problems associated with it and are choosing to stock up on their first choice of media. And so, again, if you've got the financial capability, you can, you know, buy a whole rail car or a whole shipping container, you know, dedicated to yourself. Now that takes, that takes planning from a, from a time point of view and a financial point of view. And that's, that's what I'm witnessing happening right now with a few clients that are, you know, they're much bigger and buying an entire shipping container or two or three in some cases of their preferred material. Yes, it takes time, but once that material is on their floor, it will guarantee them a consistent raw material stream for a long period of time. Um, and they view that as a good use of their capital resources because they feel that, you know, that consistency gives them a competitive advantage and also long-term a financial advantage because they won't have color redos and, and they'll have reduced waste in theory. So there's, there's ways to combat the problem, but the, but the issue is if you're a smaller player and you can't afford to buy in large quantities, you know, literally my experience from talking to people is the only way to get enough material to make a difference is to order in these huge quantities, like a whole shipping container. It's not like you can just go to your supplier and say, Hey, I want, Instead of buying five rolls this time, I want 10 rolls. And they'll say, well, we don't even have 10 rolls to give you. We, can, we only have two. I mean, I hear a lot of customers say that. It's like, we have two, two rolls of your preferred material. What else do you want? And, and so the smaller players are, are stuck having to literally take what's available because they can't buy enough to overcome this problem. I was just going to ask you what you thought about smaller businesses and what they can do. So I'm glad you answered that question. Anything well, else that you want to share from your experience from being out there? Well, I think we've experienced it in our in our little dye sub lab. I mean, sometimes sometimes we, uh, you know, I know our, one of our big products is socks. And last fall, we were worried that we might not be able to get enough socks on the socks that we're used to printing on. And we we kind of did the, you know, we didn't buy a rail car or anything, but I think we bought three or four times what we would have normally bought at any one time because it was available. Um, right. And I think that that's, I think what a small business can do is anticipate this to the greatest extent possible. and you know, if you think you need two rolls, check with your supplier. And if they have four and you've got the, the financial wherewithal to do it, buy four. If you, if you can only afford three, buy three. If, you know, every time you can buy one more of what you need, um, you're going to improve your ability to produce consistent, repeatable, predictable color. So do we recommend then if the substrates, well, let's say they can't do that, you know, and they have to go to a secondary or third preferred substrate. Mm-hmm. As far as color management goes, at that point, are we talking about reprofiling? 
We have two choices. Um, depending how big the shift is, the, the quick fix is to do something called a relinearization or recalibration, some rips refer to it as. Most rips have that as a built-in, fairly easy to, to run through feature. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak about Caldera just because I've done, done it with that rip recently. Caldera has got kind of a cool way of doing it. If you try to relinearize and it doesn't like the variation in white point and or total density, things like that, it's going to give you a warning and say, you know, we don't think this is going to work so great. You want to go ahead and do it anyway. And I have customers who go ahead and do it anyways. And they're, you know, they're happy enough from, from a pleasing color point of view, they're happy enough with the results. I have other clients who in that situation will say, well, let's, let's instead of relinearizing this one, let's fool the system and build a new profile. I have a client who just told me about this. And this is not a best practice, but it worked and it was quick. So they copied the profile, did a did essentially a new a new linearization, changed their total area coverage a little bit, and then they just imported the old ICC, which is, you know, it's not that much longer to print it and measure it, but they were in a rush. And they were really happy with the results. They actually sent me a screenshot of the verification of it, and it, it got them back to a G7 neutral gray. So it's like, whatever, you know, if, if, if you can do that without actually taking the final step, I, I, I think you and I agree. We always tell people, it's okay to break the rules as long as you know what they are and you understand why you're breaking them. So, yeah. Makes sense. But ideally you would, ideally you would want to, especially like that first example I talked about where the material not only had a change, well, actually you talked about it, it had a varying white point and carried more ink. Um, mm -hmm. That's a really good scenario for doing your full reprofiling because it, it's, a, it's a pretty big change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with both of those things happening, it is. Yes. Yes. And of course, then that begins to affect your spot color matching. You know, there's, there's, that's why I think it's so important. You know, it's not, I guess it is color management a little bit off to the side is name spot color management. And I think that that's why it's so important to know how to utilize those features in whatever rip you have, because so much of wide and grand format fabric production involves spot colors and brand colors. And if you know how to match those quickly and easily with the tools built into your rip a lot of times you can overcome these material changes for the critical colors on the piece and then let let the rest of the piece fall into a pleasing color category great advice anything else you want to share i think that's all i got for today okay well, we thank you for listening to today's episode of the Dice Subcast. And if you or someone you know would like to be a guest, or if you have any questions about spec check or color management in general, you can contact us at shelby at colorcasters.com or jim at jim at colorcasters.com. Well, thank you. You can also find our company Colorcasters on a variety of social media networks. On Twitter, we are just at Colorcasters. On Facebook, Instagram, we are Colorcasters LLC. Besides sharing these episodes of the Dice Subcast, we share information and experiences from our work as color management consultants. Like I think last week, we shared some fun stuff about uh, building a jig to do color profiling on ceramic tumblers, not ceramic, metal tumblers. And so it's kind of a cool picture that generated a lot of feedback. So go look at that if you haven't. We hope you will connect with us and join in these conversations. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Dice Subcast. Remember, we publish a new one almost every Friday, so we'll see you again next week.